got to operate in truth, right? Operate in truth. Tell the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gator Truth, Florida Football Podcast. I'm Daniel, and on this episode, we're going to take a look at the 2023 Gators defense, and I'm going to tell you which position groups will be better or worse than their counterparts in 2022. And as a baseline, just like last week, I will go over some defensive stats. Like last week, I did the offensive stats. That way, we can see where we've been and hopefully look to where we're going, and hopefully that is a brighter future. To begin with the defensive stats, the Gators last season were 87th in the nation, giving up 28.85 points per game. That was tied with South Carolina. And I'd like to take a look at the playoff teams to see what measurables did they get. So it's something that we can hopefully see our defense striving to and working towards. And when I looked, three-quarters of the playoff teams were in the top 25 when it came to scoring defense, with Ohio State giving up the most points at 21 points per game, and they were 25th in the nation. TCU is the outlier there. They ended up with 90 or 90th in the nation, giving up 29 points per game. However, I think it was kind of skewed based on them playing Georgia in the finals and just getting killed Although, of course, their defense did give up all those points. They didn't do quite as bad in the other games. However, they still gave that up. As far as yardage, the Gators gave up 411 yards per game, which was 97th in the nation. We were 100th in the nation with 175.2 rushing yards per game given up. And through the air, we gave up 235.8 yards per game. Good for 84th in the nation. Moving on, last year, as we know, the Gators were awful on third down, essentially giving up 50% at 49.7% of all third downs for first downs or touchdowns. And that was as bad as 129th out of 131 in the nation. That said, as we've talked about before with new defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong, I do expect that to change. And Last year, we gave up 20, or we only got 23 sacks, which was 98th in the nation. However, Southern Miss under Austin Armstrong was top five with 44 sacks. I believe I said that when we talked about him going into the spring game. The Gators were tied for second in the nation with fumble recoveries, and that was good for 15 fumble recoveries per game. And I think part of that goes back to something that I saw in the Gators practice facilities, which is they had throughout the facilities, these posts that said attack the ball on them. And some of you may be seeing this if you're on YouTube and these posts, what they are, they've got this flat weighted bottom blue post coming up with a ball attached to a spring on the end saying attack the ball, which I'm sure is both for offense and defense, but just, having that mindset throughout the practice facility or out through the entire football facility, actually. This is next to a practice field. There were some up near the meeting rooms. They're just throughout the facility, and I thought it was a good way to really get this motif through the team's mind, and hopefully that does continue on with Coach Armstrong. 
And then last year we had only nine interceptions, which was 79th in the nation. Again, Coach Armstrong's Southern Miss team was tied for seventh in the nation with 79 T's. I do think there are some things last year that we did that didn't kind of help our INT situation, whether it was always having DBs play five, eight yards off the ball or not as much man and more of zone things. I expect to see a little bit different in coach Armstrong's defense and things I think will help out this defense moving forward. So getting into our first position group, let's talk about the defensive line and the outside linebackers. If you listen last year, I do consider these positions to be a bit of the same. And the reason why that is, is the outside linebackers in this system tend to work more as defensive ends or standing defensive ends. They do drop into coverage some. However, we've seen guys like Brenton Cox, who's originally was a defensive end. We've seen same thing with Antoine Powell-Ryland, and now Princely Uman Man has moved over there. And that's why I consider it mostly to be a defensive end tight position, obviously with some other things. But with that said, I do think our 2023 defensive line will be better. And although we lost, Gervon Dexter, Jalen Lee transferred to LSU, Antoine Power Ryland transferred to Virginia Tech, and Brenton Cox was kicked off the team last year. In fact, all four of our outside linebackers that were on the depth chart to begin the season last year against Utah are no longer on the team. It's really interesting. With that said, we do return a ton of production from Princely Umay Man, who I've already talked about, who led the team in sacks. Then we have Just Us Boone. By the way, if you don't know his story and how he got the name Just Us, definitely check that out. Um, he was on Feinbaum. Feinbaum retweeted the video clip on Twitter. Check it out if you get a chance. Tyreek Sapp, we return. Of course, one of everyone's favorites, Big Dez Watson, is back. Chris McClellan last year did well for a true freshman. And all these guys coming back do help us out. And there are more that I'm probably not naming. In addition to that, we brought in Caleb Banks from Louisville. We brought in Jackson from Memphis. Both guys, plenty of experience coming in. We also brought in true freshman Kelby Collins. We also have Cersei and Cameron James coming in as well, who can provide extra depth and is a lot more deep on this defensive line last year and a lot more experience just because we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that have been experienced in the system. Of course, I named five earlier, and I'm probably leaving people out like a Jalen Humphreys and other guys like that who can provide snaps if needed. I do believe Austin Armstrong's aggressive style and the depth is what's going to take this from being where it was last year, where we would be good for a first quarter or two, and then slowly wear down. I do think that that's going to change this year in 2023. Get more pressure on the quarterback, and if you get more pressure, then defensive backs have better time to make plays, get those interceptions, and things like that. Also, help out with the run defense, fill the gaps, make it a little bit tougher for teams to run, and helping out our linebackers. Speaking of the linebackers, 
I do think it's going to be about the same at the linebacker position. We did lose Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie, both of which had tons of experience, multi-years starting experience for the Gators. And I think experience is something, even though at times they could be in, inconsistent, at times they could be spectacular, but experience at the linebacker position in the SEC is not just something that is easily replaced. The good news is we have guys like Derek Wingo and, of course, Shamar James, who have some experience. Last year, Shamar James did quite well as a true freshman at the linebacker position. I believe he's going to take a big step this year. Derek Wingo, he's been injured on and off. If he can stay healthy, he's put on some good weight from what we understand. Again, a guy who I think can come in and play some great time. Another guy I've not mentioned, Scooby Williams, played some at the inside linebacker. And this year may play a little inside, a little outside. He's done a little bit of everything. We also added from Ohio State, Taraja Mitchell. We brought in Deuce Spurlock from Michigan. We brought in Manny Nunnery from Houston. And then as a recruit, we brought in four-star Jaden Robinson. Mitchell, who came from Ohio State, had 21, or in 2021, had eight starts for the Buckeyes. However, I do have some injury concerns with him. He got a little injured in 2021, and last year, I believe, looking at pro football focus, he only had one defensive snap. I don't know if that's due to, I know some of the student injury. I don't know if it's some loss of belief in the defensive coaches there or a mixture of everything but he did only play in about three games last year, if I remember right, or at least from what I saw on Pro Football Focus. And I think that speaks to injuries, but if healthy, again, a good depth piece and possibly a good starter for the Gators. Manny Nunnery comes with seven starts in 2022 from Houston and plenty of experience beyond that. Although it wasn't at a high level like a Big Ten or an SEC, it is still experienced, and now he's got better parts around him to hopefully become a better player himself. And again, a position at inside linebacker that needed depth, getting a guy like Nunnery will help with that. And the big question I have for these linebackers, the reason why I have them the same right now, is how much does the scheme help versus the when we've lost the experience of a Ventral Miller and Amari Bernie, even though at times they could be inconsistent. The question is, how is that trade-off? And hopefully the trade-off works out for the Gators, but I can't really tell you right now for sure on paper if it's going to be a step up. Now, last week I talked about the offensive line. I think the linebackers here are good Example of that, we've lost a lot of experience. We brought in guys who have some experience, but maybe not as much as what we had. So that's why I'm kind of questioning. Whereas like the defensive line, tight ends, positions I've seen better, these are positions where a lot of production has returned. We have a lot of year two, and we've supplemented really well with true freshmen at positions that I believe it's easier to play as a true freshman than others so when i say certain positions may be better and some worse that's what i'm looking at is what kind of experience do we have what kind of talent do we have and how much experience in these systems 
do these guys have? Like I said, we're hoping at least on offense, potentially two, three starters first year in the system for the offensive line, where here we may end up with Shamar James and Taraja Mitchell, where it may be one guy, but we've got guys waiting like Scooby Williams, Derek Wingo, who also have experience in the system. The good news is a lot of these guys were here in the spring, so it does help with that learning curve. But again, I do think the linebackers will be about the same. I do not think that they'll be worse, and part of that really is part of the scheme. Moving to the position group I am probably highest on going into 2023, and that is the corners and star position. I do predict that it will be better because we do return pretty much everybody. We did lose Trevez Johnson. To be honest, there are times he was really inconsistent and times I think he did more harm than good, but he did try his all most of the time. However, when we return guys on the outside like Jason Marshall, Jalen Kimber, Jaden Hill, who's now moved to that inside star position. I know some people consider star safety position, and it kind of is, but I'm going to think of it as a nickel corner, and that's why I put the star with a corners position. And then also Jadarius Perkins, who I really like when he's in there. This guy can cover a man, had a great interception against Georgia last year where he ripped the ball away from the guy in the air. We also brought in some talented true freshmen and Dijon Johnson. We have Gates, Jackson, Denson, all sorts of guys coming in who also can provide depth and many of which were here in the spring. Rumors coming out of the first Gator camp where Johnson had two pick sixes. So these are guys that can get it done. And these guys are with Corey Raymond, one of the best defensive back coaches in college football today. And this guy developed a lot of great guys at LSU. He's going to do the same at Florida. This is a guy who excels and press and man coverage, something we didn't see too much last year. I do think we're going to see a lot more of that. Austin Armstrong talked about he's going to coach to the strength of the players. And I've written here specifically, one strength is Marshall in man coverage. And Pro Football Focus had this quote as they ranked him one of their top 10 corners returning college football this year. And it says he only surrendered a 35.2 passer rating when targeted and press coverage over the last two seasons. The, that is eighth among power five corners. For comparison, spiking the ball every play nets a 39.6 passer rating. Jason Marshall had some issues in zone, but I think some of that is just the zone that we are playing last year where we are playing so far off the ball and it gives too much of a cushion, easy to give up a catch, and then if that guy has a little bit of open space, he's going to get some yards. Whereas if we put him in press coverage, this guy's doing better than if the other team were to spike the ball every play. And now you've got guys opposite him who have experience like Kimber. And I didn't even put Devin Moore on here. He was injured last year. That's another guy who came in, played pretty well when he was in before injury last year. This is a very deep, very talented group. And I really think we see a change in the pass defense on these guys this year. And of course, moving to the rest of the secondary, which 
Corey Raymond has taken over the full secondary this year, and that's the safeties. Right now, I think that the safeties could be the same, possible, but possibly better. I think losing Rashad Torrance and Dean, I, you know, they were inconsistent. It is what it is, but they're very experienced. And that trade-off between getting young guys who may not be ex- experienced, but getting rid of their inconsistency, there's a weird trade-off there. And sometimes that's for the better. Sometimes that's for the worse. So right now I'm just playing it safe and saying, I predict it'll be about the same, if not better. I do think Corey Raymond taking over the entire secondary. So the communication between all five guys will be better. I do think that Corey Raymond having the safeties as opposed to Patrick Tony could also be a positive. There are times Corey Raymond at LSU had the entire secondary and with a better, like I said, better defensive line, giving a quarterback less time, getting more pressure, it's going to help out your safeties. So again, I think there's a good chance that they're better. But right now, again, I'm playing it safe saying they're going to be at least the same. I think that's a good way of putting it. They return um, on the defense. We do return Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell. Mitchell I really liked last year when I saw him at star, I do believe that was in the Missouri game. He came in, did some things I really liked. Now they moved him back to safety. We've also brought in R.J. Moten, who's come from Michigan. He had 10 starts last year for the Wolverines. And we have some talented freshmen in Castell and Thornton that have come in, again, to help iron sharpen iron, help push for playing time, and bring some more quality depth. So again, safety's a good place to start and maybe better. And if they have the corners and star playing better, that could definitely help them as well. So just to recap, I do think the defensive line will be better. I for sure think that the corners and star will be better. The linebackers, for now I'm saying they're the same, but just like the safeties, I think they could possibly be better. I'm just... Wondering how much the inexperience or the SEC inexperience makes a difference for those position groups. And before we get out of here, there is one issue that people have asked me to comment on, and I really haven't done too much publicly, but I will in this, and that is the stadium renovation issue. And what you'll see... I've got a few ideas. First off, there's rumors of upgrades, which are seat upgrades, many of the bench seats becoming, you know, chair back seats, which I think that's kind of a good thing. If you've sat on the benches at the swamp, they are tight. People infringe on your area. It is what it is. But part of that is what makes the swamp the swamp. Also, things that could be added, a lighting package, like the University of Georgia has a lighting package. If you were at the bowl game against UCF a few years ago when touchdowns were scored. There were great lighting packages going off and just some really cool stuff. And those are things that may or may not make a difference to you, but they can make a difference to a recruit or just one more thing to give a check mark of, hey, Georgia may have this, Florida has this, just something that another school doesn't have an edge against or something that they can hold against us. And then also other upgrades as well, whether it's video boards or whatnot. 
that part, I don't think any of that is controversial. What is controversial to a lot of people is reduced capacity. And with seat upgrades, you're going to have bigger seats. And with, let's just say we go to seating, like even the metal chairbacks at the swamp. With those metal chairbacks, I would say they're probably as wide in theory as a bench seat that you have, but you have the hand rest in between each one. So that just makes it a little wider. And as you make those wider, well, that's less seats per row. Also, ADA compliance. This is something that I actually talked to a ticket rep about back when I was touring the Gators game day locker room facility before the South Carolina game. And he talked about if we ever were to upgrade, we would have to comply with ADA and just other building requirements for Florida. And that is one thing we'd have to do is widen the aisles and be able to put handrails in. And so I counted roughly 36 aisles in the stadium. And what I did was I kind of looked around and if there was an aisle on, you know, level one, then I just counted all the same for level two. And of course, for the north end zone, level three, just again, easy number. Let's say we average 60 rows and I know that's higher and, you know, that ends up costing a seat on either side. That's already four and a, just by that math. And again, I know it's probably higher, four and a half thousand seats lost just through compliance. Now you've got to add in the, you know, seat upgrades. And we're looking at probably the estimated 15,000 lost to almost 75,000, 70, 75. Things I don't like is recently it's come out that Scott Strickland said they consider moving the swamp and then was talking about NFL stadiums. This is not the National Football League. This is not professional sports. College football is a unique entity onto its own. And don't take what makes our Gators and college football and make it into some, you know, highfalutin, just fancy, whatever, that takes away from the game. There's already a lot that's happening in college football that kills the spirit of what college football has been. And there have been good changes and there have been bad changes. And if you want to make this an NFL stadium, that's a terrible change. I know some people say, well, if there's upgrades, more people will come to the bad games. I can tell you, I go to the good games and bad. I've not missed more than probably five games since 1992. The seats that are open for the most part, for the most part are either in the corner where the visitor section is, if they don't sell out their allotment or they're up in sunshine terrace where there's already chair backs. You're not going to convince me. Someone's going to want to come do a sunshine terrace noon kickoff against whoever and sit in the hot sun all the way up there. If we have a brand new lighting package or if, their metal chair back is now a plastic chair back with a cushion. Again, there are th upgrades that can be great. And sometimes you're going to lose a little capacity. I understand that. I think Tennessee recently lost capacity with some upgrades. But what I'm not cool with is the idea of let's make this like an NFL stadium or let's destroy the swamp and build a new stadium off campus somewhere or somewhere else on campus. That's that's not college football. 
And that's not what we need to be doing. And so I'll get off that rant. And with that said, also coming up this Saturday, uh, which would be August 5th, there is an open practice at the swamp. So come see it and what it is for now. Open practice at 2.30. And if you're a member of Florida Victorious, at 4.30, once practice is over, you can get on the field, have an autograph session with Billy Napier and the Gator players. Again, after the spring game, Des Watson, he got on, he stayed longer than any other player signing autographs I saw because season ticket holders could stay on the field after the game. Really impressive by him. And now it looks to be like it's going to be all the players. So if you're not a member of Florida Victorious, become a member and get that on the field sensation. I can tell you, there's no sensation like standing on the actual field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and looking up and seeing how tall and confined it feels down there on the field. It's one thing to be sitting in that stadium. It's another to be standing on the 50-yard line, looking at the West Stands and just seeing how massive the West Stands with a press box are. And that's the way opponents are looking when they enter the swamp. So with that said, I just, once again, as always, want to thank you all for listening. And as always, go Gators.